Welcome to Mediation Playbook, the podcast that provides winning negotiation strategies. Join us as we explore the world of holistic negotiation from experts across business and industry. Our guests will share with us their insights and draw on their experiences to provide you the techniques and tools you need to become a master negotiator. Now let's get started. Hello, and welcome to the behind the scenes episode of the Mediation Playbook. My name is Rita. I'm one of the producers for this podcast, and I'm joined with your host today, David Coer. How are you doing today, David? I'm doing well, Rita. How's everything on your end? Lovely. So we are so excited to have this kind of behind the scenes sneak peek with you on your own episode. After this episode, David will take back the reins of hosting his own show, but we wanted to give our listeners a chance to get to know you, get to know why you started the podcast, and more so about some of your background as a professional in this industry. So without further ado, can you share a little bit about your background in mediation and what led you to start your business as it stands today? Sure, sure. Thanks, Rita. So I started off as a professional mediator a little over two years ago, and honestly, what got me into the business was during the early days of the pandemic, had a lot of upheaval in the ADR business. At the time, I was working for a Fortune 500 company as a former in-house counsel, and then as an executive, I had been participating in a lot of mediation and a substantial amount of arbitration work, both as the attorney and as the client. Frankly, what I was finding is that there were a lot of folks coming into the business, especially during that early period of COVID, where there was a major shift in terms of a lot of judges retiring from the bench. They were coming into the industry, and there were a lot of mediators and arbitrators in the industry who weren't as comfortable with online mediation. And I was finding that the quality of professionals that we were working with had dipped. And I've always had interest myself. So I said, you know what, I'm going to look into this a little bit more, thinking of it more as a longer term career path, something that you do after you retire, which is frankly how most mediators come into the business. And I, so I, I took some coursework uh, at uh, the Strauss Institute based out of Pepperdine University, which is here in Los Angeles. Very, very famous institute for ADR work. And during that, I talked with a couple of my professors and others and got started to get really excited about the work. And I said, you know what, let me go ahead and try this for myself. See how it goes. See if I enjoy it. And I did. And I, I still am. And I've found it incredibly rewarding. I'm enjoying the work. I'm enjoying the clients that I get to meet. And so it, it's just been going great, honestly, building up every day for the past two years. And I couldn't be happier about it. What's been one of your most rewarding experiences within your journey of um, mediation and becoming a mediator? Yeah, you know, it's tough to necessarily say one in particular in terms of the settlements. I think for me overall, my happiest moment in a mediation is that moment where once a settlement is reached and you can I don't mean a settlement is reached in the sense of the agreement is signed, the documents are processed, the check is written, any of that. That's the after the fact. There's a moment when 
you're having that conversation and there's that breakthrough and you realize and the party that you're talking with realizes this is going to settle and it's going to be settling today. And here's what it's settling at. We're close enough and the, the light goes on. And then there's almost this exhale. This it, Sometimes it's an audible exhale, to be honest with you. But there's this, re, this sense of relief that comes over the client, the council, really the, the whole room. And it's that moment uh, of the, there's this kind of odd happiness about the settlement. Not in the sense of that they're in this situation, although sometimes some parties are happy about the situation overall. Other parties are unhappy that they're even in the litigation. But yet in that moment, there's a happiness that this actually can end, right? The more resistant the party was to the idea of mediation or the idea that it was going to be settling, the greater that sense of relief, I think, that then folks see. And so I, I really enjoy that part of it. I know, for example, I'll just give you one quick story. I had a situation where it was several siblings. They were in their 50s and 60s. Their parents had passed away about 10, 15 years earlier, left a, a portfolio of real estate that the, they were relatively modest working class, the, the parents. But they had slowly but surely built up a portfolio of homes and rental properties across Southern California. And so they left that to the siblings. And the siblings then tried to continue to operate that. Didn't work out so well. There were a number of issues that came up, but the property still retained value, thankfully. So there was still something to fight over uh, <laughs> in a way. The resolution, finally, we were able to reach a settlement that ended up taking care of both the immediate generation that was in before me in the rooms of the mediation, but also could provide for some of the children of some of those siblings in terms of uh, a place to live, retain some family homes for some of the siblings. It wasn't just for the happiness that those folks had for themselves in their own individual position. But to be honest, several of them were genuinely happy because overall it was working out for their siblings as well. And it was almost like they were, despite all of the fighting and acrimony that had developed over the years as this partnership split apart, there was a realization in that moment after their initial relief that there was also relief for their fellow sibling. I mean, this after all is their brother or their sister. And to see that, that was really awesome for me, just to see it on multiple levels. I mean, that sounds like there's a lot in, at stake in a scenario like that. There's family, there's money. And I feel like many people listening to that could imagine potentially how high stakes or how tense an agreement like that must have been or a disagreement yeah. in the beginning rather. Oh yeah. So yeah. when it comes to these types of negotiations or just when it comes to negotiations in general, what do you think makes a negotiator or a mediator great? I think the most important aspect is that the mediator is able to adjust to the individual that they're working with. So different people are going to require different styles. One thing that's universal, I think, is that a lot of times folks will have a need to express their point. Now, sometimes that's stated as, oh, 
you need to let people talk it out. And that's not necessarily the case. Sometimes it is. Definitely, there are people that need to talk it out. Sometimes they just need to talk it out so that they can feel they were heard. Other times they need to talk it out so that they can process it and really think through what it is that they want out of this negotiation. And then other times it's merely a matter of their being able to state their case in a way that makes sense to them. Because a lot of times folks going through the legal process, the attorney will be saying, well, that's not really important right now. We're focused on this particular aspect. We'll get to that later, right? And people can feel like their feelings, their emotion, their desires out of the negotiation are not being addressed. And honestly, this isn't just about negotiations where you're dealing with a personal issue, such as that, that one I was talking about, where it's obviously very personal while there were financial matters involved, a lot of personal emotions. But even when you're dealing with corporate negotiations that are between two large corporations, there's emotion still involved there. To get back to answering your original question, the key for a mediator is to be understanding of what it is that the particular negotiator needs at that moment and to be able to support that. And then that's where it becomes the mediator's job to then move to the other party or parties and find where there are points that can sync up between them. I'm personally quite selfishly invested and interested in, in learning more about some of these corporate level negotiation sure. experience or mediations because I just wonder how much of it truly is rooted in human emotional intelligence or psychology in addition to the data and the metrics and the business needs uh, and the agreement yeah. that does need to happen. What are some misconceptions when it comes to mediations of that caliber or type in your industry? Yeah, I think a, a lot of times people look at corporate negotiations as if they are driven by the metrics, driven by the numbers. But that's not necessarily the case, and at least it hasn't been the case in my experience. I find that while the numbers certainly are important, and oftentimes those numbers will have to line up to justify a decision at a later point, the emotional aspect for the individuals, those executives who are in the room at the time making the decision, also has to align. And if the two don't align, you can have the numbers line up and make perfect sense, but if the individual or individuals who are involved don't want to reach a settlement because it's not getting to the, the particular what they think the settlement should be, then it's not going to align. It's not going to get there, no matter how much sense the numbers make, right? Because there'll be a reason for the person to dismiss the numbers because the numbers are never exact. They're always, it's an estimate or an expectation of how a particular a product is going to sell or a particular policy is going to be implemented. And that's where there leaves that room for doubt and debate. And that's where the individual emotion can sneak in. Honestly, I think in, in those kinds of situations, I've seen where I find that the emotion can be almost about half of the decision involved. And that's not intuitive. That doesn't seem like it should be, but yet that's what seems to pan out. In conversations before, when thinking about creating our podcast, The Mediation yeah. Playbook, we've touched on this idea of holistic negotiation or, or, you know, more so on what is needed of a great mediator, right? And I think right. 
that emotional intelligence could be part of that. But what are some other facets to uh, your life as a mediator that you know, you're excited to explore on the show through episodes that are topics that are relevant to becoming a great professional in this industry? Yeah, I, I think for me, it's about learning what others do in their negotiations across industries, across different, not necessarily just limited to business, but an understanding of how others approach negotiation and the lessons that we can learn from those instances and then apply them to our own negotiations, whether it's necessarily in my personal work as a mediator, in the work of clients who might be listening in terms of their business negotiations, or in the work of listeners otherwise in any variety of matters. The reality is there's no handbook for negotiation. And when I see people purporting to kind of market such, I find it comical because the reality is that because of that human aspect and the emotional intelligence required, it's going to be different to every negotiation you come to. So there's a lot to learn for everybody, even those who are master negotiators. The ones I've seen that are the best that I've had the experience to work with or go up against, when I talk with them during or afterwards, uh, I learn that they appreciate the most the fact that they have more to learn. And so I've tried to take that and incorporate that myself. And that's what I'm hoping to accomplish here with this podcast is you know, bringing on interesting guests and folks who have been through interesting situations and how they've handled those negotiations and what they've learned. And by bringing those lessons together, hopefully the listeners and myself can become better at negotiation and mediation. Other than listening to this podcast, of course, if someone is looking to level up their mediator skills, what's the yeah. first thing you recommend that individual doing if they want to kind of take your two cents about always learning and realizing that not every one case is the like? Well, other than the podcast, of course, is my newsletter and you know my LinkedIn post. No, I'm kidding, of course. Honestly, what I've done, what I found useful is studying the literature out there in terms of psychology, in terms of emotional intelligence, in terms of people's inner relationships. I'm a big fan of history myself. I find that to be useful because I personally have a theory that every situation has been faced before somehow, some way. The names are different. The technology that was in play was different, but the underlying human reactions are going to be similar. And so by studying others and other situations, whether that's through the study of the field of psychology, through, it's through the study of political science or history or any of these fields, you're going to come away with more examples of how others addressed similar situations. And from there, have an understanding of, oh, what could work here? Or how is this going to play out here? They say history repeats itself for a reason. Would you say that it's definitely still the case in mediation as well, too? <laughs> I think it's true. You know, honestly, I find myself harkening back a lot of times to past mediations. Once I get into the proverbial room and sit down with parties and get an understanding of the situation, not necessarily in terms of, oh, I've seen this fact pattern before, right? It's a real estate matter and it involved splitting up a portfolio of real estate assets. No, it's 
it's more of cases that have very, very different legal issues, very different factual patterns, yet the underlying emotions of the players and their interrelationships is what I find repeats itself across different types of disputes. Do you find, just out of curiosity, that some of those personality tests or persona type, whatever, casts of people are relevant in what you do? Like, do you ever think back to that or use that or like not not to your client, but is it something you ever think about when you're trying to do these? You know, I think the personality tests are a little bit like horoscopes to my mind. Okay. That is to say, you know. Horoscopes, I think, work because they're about 80 to 90 percent accurate of archetypes. Okay, I don't know that it's necessarily based on the face of the moon or things of that nature, but more of there are certain archetypes of people. And that's what personality tests are based on. Right. Mm -hmm. They're building those out and saying, here's, you know, with about an 80 to 90% accuracy, here's a, a, a type of person. But the trick is in that 10 to 20% that's not going to be true to form. And that's where the differences can come in. And if you have something where, you know, I think a lot of times people know how to deal with when particular archetypes go up against one another. They've you know, learned that over the years and their experience. Oh, this type of person, we need to react in this way. Oh, this type of person, you know, we need to react something different. It's those, those tweaks that are different amongst people that don't follow the archetypes that are generated by the personality tests, that that's where the disputes arise. And that's where it ends up then dragging out. So the people, the the rebel personalities, if you will, <laughs> there's always, I mean, in any, yeah. in any difficult, in any, right. I guess, negotiation, there's always somebody that's going to make it a little trickier for everyone, or you can't really necessarily put a pin on well, what that person's I mean, motives are or who they yeah. are. Yeah. That's, that's right. That's right. And, and, and understanding what their motivations are and understanding what their needs are, which they may not even fully appreciate to be quite honest in many, if not most of the instances. I've seen in my work, folks don't necessarily understand this themselves. And I'm not saying that I'm some kind of a therapist or psychologist who's out here diagnosing them and, oh, it's just, you know, this is the solution and wave a magic wand. Right. It's more of a path of discovery uh, for the participants, for them to understand what is it that they actually want from this. And sometimes it's a bit of acceptance. What can they get? And given what they can get, what do they want to get out of it? Well, I'm sure different topics like that, we might have different discourses on it or whatever on the podcast. Sure. But I'd love to know, what are you most looking forward to when it comes to this podcast? What do you think listeners should stay tuned for and be most excited about? For me, it's, it's going to be learning about different folks' experiences, right? Like I said, the, the more experiences that you know of, the more experiences that you understand, as to what happened and why it happened. And that's what I'm hoping to get into with the guests. The better you have of a pool from which to say, okay, here's what past experience has been. This happened in this situation. Things are slightly different here, but here's what could be working for us. 
in this situation, right? And so, I, I mean, at the very least, I just, I like stories. I like a good story. And I'm hoping we get some good stories from our guests. I definitely think we will. And I also think that the show will end up being uh, somebody's secret toolbox in their back pocket, their playbook for any negotiation or mediation scenario that they encounter. But we have so much more than just this episode. I feel very excited to do the show. And if anyone is listening and you have guest ideas or topic ideas, please make sure to send them over to us. We'll have the information in the show notes below on how to do that and how to follow and stay tuned. But we are just so excited and thankful that you took the few minutes that you have to listen to us. David, is there anything that I haven't asked you today that you absolutely think our listeners need to hear before we sign off? No, I'll just I'll just follow up again and I'll thank our listeners as well. I appreciate their time and would love to hear their ideas if they have an interesting story to share or they know of others who do. By all means, please reach out. We'd love to hear more. Well, this has been episode zero of the Mediation <laughs> Playbook. Thank you all for tuning in today. And make sure you catch us for our first episode where David will be the host once more. And follow us and leave us a review everywhere that you listen to your podcasts. Thanks, David. <laughs> Thanks, Rita. Have a good one. Thanks for tuning in. If you found our show valuable, please subscribe to our YouTube channel for exclusive video content. We love hearing our listeners' thoughts and suggestions on guests or topics for future episodes, so please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or comment on Spotify, and we will catch you on the next one.